2: Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Studio A in Podcast Village in up, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do in studio today is uh he is the former undersecretary of commerce for international trade who served at last count under four presidents he is the one that we know as uh alan moore hello alan hello justin and joining us from boca del vista somewhere in southeast florida he is the retired one-star admiral to your united states navy he is the one we know as admiral ken caradine admiral ken hello
0: Hello,
2: hello. And joining us on the phone, I'm guessing, Sharmila, is that you? It is me. She is the former. I am. I'm impressed. It's been a long time since we've heard you. It's your first appearance since the new year. And joining us from New York City, she is the former Clinton attorney for the state of Ohio for the 2016 campaign. She is the one we know as Sharmila Chari. Hi, Sharmila.
3: Hi, Justin. Hi, everyone. i missed you guys. Yeah,
2: and so here's the thing. So uh, this is kind of our in-depth segment, our in-depth show for the week. And it it was sparked by something Alan said, which I'm never going to let this down because I'm giving him credit. He actually said, you know what? We need to do a show about leadership here in Washington and what what is happening to leadership what's happened to leadership and what are we are we are we setting expectations too high and also i want to talk about on the flip side of that the lack thereof and the pettiness of our leaders here in washington so we're in the middle of now the four, fifth going into the fifth week of government shutdown here in washington dc which is now affecting 800,000 plus federal employees and then another four hundred and fifty to 500,000 government contractors that are not getting paid. It is turning into an economic problem. It's become a national security problem, but it's all based on lack of civility in politics, lack of leadership in both parties and in politics in general. And the question is, what What are we looking for? So, let's give an example. Let's start with the Democrats, because usually we're pretty much taking swipes at Trump because he does silly stuff. Excuse me. But I want to talk about the Democrats, for example. During this government shutdown, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Put a letter to President Donald Trump saying, look, because of government shutdown and because of the fact that you shut down the Department of Homeland Security because they provide the primary line of security for the State of the Union, because the State of the Union address is a national security event, which requires all hands on deck for law enforcement and security, because of the fact that you're not paying them, it's a security risk and we don't think you should come up here on the 29th and deliver your um, deliver your state of the union address. Uh, let's let that sit there for a second and Sharma, I'm going to give you first crack at this. Okay. To, to me, okay, I'm not questioning her, her her judgment. In fact, I'm not even I've even said that her politically what she did was brilliant. But is, was she right in doing that
3: well i think it depends on what you mean by right i mean obviously democrats will say look she this was her her communicating to the president that there are consequences for your actions you know this is nancy pelosi saying to president trump you cannot hold the government hostage and expect to go consequence free there are consequences to your actions. This is what happens when you refuse to negotiate or when you kind of scuttle a deal at the last minute and refuse to talk Turkey on any terms other than you know the one the one very outlandish term that you have that you have requested, right? All of a sudden, like all these things that you've taken for granted are not going to be available to you anymore. So I think you know some Democrats would obviously say she was right to draw that line in his hand and say, "Look." you know, we are a co-equal branch of government with you. And if you don't like it, come to the table with something that we can accept. <laughs> and and we'll, and, right? and we'll talk. And look, to be fair, her offer wasn't, you are never going to be invited to the Capitol again to deliver your State of the Union. It was, there's an ongoing government shutdown. We propose either you postpone the date or you deliver it from the Oval Office, either of which is an acceptable compromise, right? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this sort of like hard line, you know, we will never host you again. But it was acknowledging the reality of of the current circumstances. And then again, there are others who think that, you know, Pelosi was the first in launching this petty tit for tat and that, you know, there were other ways to kind of bring President Trump to the negotiating table other than, you know, this very public act that was meant to humiliate him, which, let's be frank I it mean, was. I mean,
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, you bring up hold on, Charlie, you bring up a very valid point. Do you think she did this? I mean, because you know she puts out this sweet, wholesome housewife from the Bay Area image. As Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi is a political pit bull. She is the daughter of a political, of an Italian political boss from Baltimore, who would crack political skulls to get his point across, and she does the same thing. Is she in... Justin, f- can I... Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
3: Go I, ahead wait, yeah, go ahead. I feel like we've had this discussion before when people talk about Nancy Pelosi and how, oh, she, you know, emits this image of a family woman and that she's this, you know, lovely lady, but she's actually like a total hard-ass. Like, I think that line of argument is so incredibly sexist. Nobody Why? says that about men. Nobody says, oh, you know, Mitch McConnell comes across as a, you know, a real family man and a real, you know... Johnny Appleseed type, but then really he's a, he's a whip well, that's because, that's Nobody says doesn't. that.
0: That's because
2: no, he doesn't. No, no, no. But no. Sharma in, in defense of that, but you I you know will... what I
3: mean? Nobody, nobody qualifies any sort of, look, all of these guys project themselves as, you know, upstanding family men who don't cheat on their wives and don't, you know, are good fathers to their children and, you know, have wholesome family values. And yet nobody draws that comparison. This is a tangent, but... And I'll finish it in 30 seconds, but nobody draws that comparison. And I feel like it's ridiculous that in this day and age, we still feel the need to juxtapose women's kind of outward um, outward appearance with their actual reality. I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't know that Nancy Pelosi is a tough mamma jamma, for lack
2: of a oh, better no, word. No, 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 there, 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 there are uh, people that don't. Uh, I, I... Go, ahead, Alan. Go ahead, Admiral Ken.
3: So... So,
0: Sharma, we, 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 we had a, a portion of this conversation on previous shows, and, and I think that um, I, I, won't, I won't speak for the rest of the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the men on this show or the ones listening, but my issue with Nancy Pelosi has nothing to do with her femininity or perceived lack thereof. My issue with Nancy Pelosi is one statement that she made with regard to passing Obamacare. We got to pass the bill first to see what's in it. At that point, I thought this person is not worthy to have this job because she's an idiot. Again, that's my that's my opinion about her professionally. It has nothing to do with 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 her gender or anything else. And I will tell you, a great number of the Republicans with which I have associated myself over the years feel the same way. With regard but then, to
3: look, there's. A- I'm not saying that every argument, you know, every criticism of Nancy Pelosi is inherently sexist. I'm saying that the setup to that question was inherently sexist. Okay, All right. oh, yeah, I
0: would, and I would, be, I would, bend Charmala, her, I would bend the charmerless. I would bend the Charmala's opinion on that because she has a right to feel what she's been offended by, and I got to kind of agree with her. on that uh, uh,
1: uh, okay. Charmerless wins this one. All right, sorry, Justin. That's fine. You were the one who invoked the 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 the, the, the Bay Area uh, mom, which is not how <laughs> she project, which is not how she projects herself. I might have oversimplified. Uh, yeah. That. Anyway, yeah. Where, so, were gonna,
2: where were you going to go, Alan? Uh,
1: no, no, no. So, so. I just wanted to reinforce the. the I, I think Sharmila's instincts there. I d- it did come across. I don't think your intention was, but it. But that's one of the, the you know problems that, that 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 particularly men can can fall into trying to be fair and reasonable and 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 come across in ways that that uh, that would seem to might suggest. Uh, Uh, a bias. She is a tough leader. She got herself reelected to to be speaker in the face of a a lot of folks who thought it was time for change, Um, not because she was a woman, but because she had become a convenient target for Republicans and because she's she's getting well into her 70s. And uh, and she didn't win all the votes this time. Or last time, and she did agree to step down in two years, unless uh, the the Democrats choose to re uh, uh, to to keep her in place for no more than an additional two years. That was a major concession that she figured out was a way to to move things forward. She is tough. What I worry about. And I would worry about this whether I'm saying she or he is that to hold her party, to hold the Democratic Party together, they have come on to a kind of rigidity, It's it, it seems to me, uh, which is wholly understandable, given the complete unpredictability, unreasonableness, and ignorance of this president. But given what we have there— um, is there any duty on the part of Democrats to say what else might we try? Um, I'm wondering where the unions are in in standing up for the eight hundred thousand people. There, they tend to be Democrats, but but no, nobody well, wait nobody, a minute, nobody wait wants a to reward that, that, the that, president. No, no,
2: but but here's the problem that
1: you have with that
2: when you're when you're
1: looking for leadership.
2: Uh, you know, everybody talks about where, where are the unions that would literally prop up or back up the Democrats in this uh unfortunately when it comes to border patrol they had the border patrol union in back of the president two weeks ago in the press room talking about oh nope we're with the president 100 which by the way is completely disparate from the parent union of the border patrol union which is the afl-cio and i can tell you right now president trump of the afl-cio is not in favor of what is going on, which means that when we look at the Democrats, who is standing up for the Democrats? Are they showing true leadership, or are they showing political pettiness?
1: Well, so we we we, we talked about what she did to to the president. I didn't have a particular problem with the, with 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 her deciding. Why should we get let the president come up to our house and stand before? Our body and the Senate and the Supreme Court and whoever in the in the ambassadorial uh, uh, leaders uh, embassy leaders and 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 make a highly political speech with me, Nancy Pelosi, sitting right behind him and everybody commenting on my looks. And when he says this stupid thing or that idiotic, crazy thing um, and I'm not we don't have to do that. And let's just and we've got an an interesting excuse for saying let's postpone what I where I thought she overstepped was when she said, of course, you could deliver it from the Oval Office or submit it in writing. That was like sticking the needle in a, a, a second time. The president, of course, took the bait. And decide. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know. We'll talk about that in yeah, a second. The president had a chance. I think we'll never know because he will never give it a chance to to be uh, a bigger it, person. To be the bigger person. To get a little to to possibly just once allow himself to to hold to, his tongue. To hold his do tongue. Don't do anything and, stupid. And let some of the press people to say, "Gee, that seems a little bit petty," especially since she kind of said, "Send it in writing." Or do it from the Oval Office. Right. Um, And, 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 uh, could have been worse. He can't leave it well enough alone. um, And then he ends up (laughs) exceeding her, you know, we're going to get that in a second. Hold on. It it could have been worse.
0: It could have been worse. How's that, Admiral Cannon? He could have let her fly fly to Afghanistan and then cancel the other trip home.
2: Well, yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second. Let's go back to Nancy Pelosi. Sharma
0: like now.
3: Yeah,
2: Sharma <laughs> Sharma is is but, Nancy but there are Pelosi some commercial wait, flights that we might be we'll, able to We'll find talk for about. You. Can I moderate this show for crying out loud? Jesus. And Sharma is Nancy Pelosi actually in a position to I mean as we've said before, she could take the higher ground on this. She could actively go to the white house and say all right let's talk why is that not happening and why is that such a bad display and a a bad optic for democrats
3: well perhaps like a person of good manners she's waiting to be invited
2: She's the speaker of the house. She's the highest-ranking Democrat in
1: the country.
3: I agree. I don't well, she's think been she's been
1: invited. That, that that one won't fly. All right, but but still, all,
3: all jokes aside, I, I do think that you're right in in a way. I think that the Democrats have been lax in not putting forward, or at least more publicly putting forward, um, counter proposals to the president's one stubborn, you know, prior to his speech last Saturday, his kind of his one-note uh, demand, and I think that. I think you're right. I think, you know, the there was that the optics of those House Democrats who, you know, didn't want to be kind of uh, props in some sort of photo op that the White House was going to put out that wouldn't have led to anything. And so they abstained from negotiating, um, negotiating with the president. And yes, I do think that we have reached a tipping point where it's not just you know, it's, you can't just blame this on Donald Trump anymore. You have to say, what are the Democrats doing as well, right? Like both sides have kind of really dug in and neither of them are budging. And I think now you see there is sort of resistance at the margins on both ends, not just from, you know, GOP, you know, more moderate GOP senators uh, and congressmen, or congressmen and women who want to get a deal done, but also from, you know, more moderate uh, center left GOP or sorry, uh, Democrat Senators, and also some of the new House freshmen who were elected in this, you know, blue wave of twenty eighteen and who are now have not known any other career than, you know, being a representative when the government is shut down and are actually very eager to start I, legislating and doing the jobs that they were elected to do
2: Sharma, you you so, bring up a very you bring up a very valid point and let me ask this question: Is the leadership of the Democratic Party now kowtowing to to primary base voters and particularly think, and, and particularly with the advent and the rocket acceleration at the top that we've seen Alexandria uh, uh or, or Cortez with the with the rapid rise of AOC and her counterparts in the house are they doing the exact same thing that the republicans did with trump
3: so I think yes and yes and no, right? You spoke about, um, you know, we we opened the show with leadership, and one point that I wanted to make was that it's not just about leadership, you know, our our leaders showing us, you know, our better angels, but it's also a reflection of the fact that the base on both sides of the aisle has become a lot more vitriolic and a lot more consumed in making sure the other side loses than actually advancing any policy gains. And you know, people have been making this complaint about the right for a long time, and I agree with it, but I also think that it's very prevalent on the left. Right lawmakers right now are stuck between a rock and a hard place of, you know, wanting to show that they are effective Capable of, you know, legislating better than the better than the other side, but also needing to cater to their base that just wants to make sure the other side loses, and that's a really untenable position to be in for the long term. Alan Moore so,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm I'm reflecting on this, uh, agreeing with 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 Sharmila. I remember when when uh, when the Speaker, uh, Mrs. Pelosi, um, was wanting to lock up. The, uh the election to speaker it wasn't a guaranteed thing she was showing her skill she was cutting side deals creating a subcommittee here giving uh giving a present over there extract uh, uh, preventing somebody from getting uh, a committee assignment over here that they really wanted because they didn't support her I mean doing the kind of hardball stuff that that you need in a legislative body and we certainly didn't see ever any of uh, from from paul ryan i do have some sympathy with ryan he didn't want the job unfortunately he never took to it and didn't do a very good job of it she wanted it she's she she trained for it she's had it she's been on the minority side she's worked 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 she's
2: taking out adversaries she's, to stay there she,
1: she got it she is a she's a true pro having said that you may remember the narrative once she locks down the speakership then she'll have more flexibility to deal and 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 the reality and, is that's and, not true. Well, I think the reality is and I don't know we we blame, you know, the the Limbaughs and Coulter's for influencing for influencing Trump. I think we do that rightfully, but but I think it may be that because the press was expecting her to soften a bit, she was she was being told, don't soften. Don't live out that narrative. Stay tough, stay tough, stay tough, stay tough. Even though it makes us a partner to the damage that this shutdown is doing, I'm not right. saying for a moment that they are the senior partner. They are not the senior partner, but they have the ability also to, to try to find a pathway forward by showing more flexibility for them, there she's afraid that that the, that that the left of her party will 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 turn on her and say no, you can't reward that behavior, you can't you you can't cave. Um, she's she's in a position not different. Not that different unfortunately than than where where the the president and the and the Republicans are but, but uh, Admiral Ken, it strikes me that the president
2: where whereas Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House, does not need the base as much as the base needs her to be Speaker of the House. It seems to me that the opposite is true with the President. Whereas the president can't survive without his base and that he has to paint himself into these corners in order to keep his base alive and energetic and hope that the independents and the slightly center-right will see his way and move forward with him.
0: Uh, I, I, so I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on that. Really? So yeah, I am. So one, so I think I think Speaker Pelosi uh, has got a Hippocratic, a quasi-Hippocratic oath uh, approach to this in that she's a speaker, but she can't do any harm uh, to the Democratic Party's um, attempt to regain the White House in the Senate. So that's the first thing. And to that end, um, she has got to have an eye on. Uh, the Democratic Party, the, 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 the average Joe voter, if you will, that person's attitude toward her. And if they start bashing her, the concern, I think, will be that any, any, any Democrat that's looking to run for office uh, would have a harder road to, uh, to hoe than, than they, they might normally. Number two, uh, supporting that theory is the fact that Donald Trump, Donald Trump was a reactionary election. People voted for Trump because they didn't want to see Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump on his own against a more qualified, uh, less controversial uh, competitor I don't think would be sitting in the White House. And so consequently, um, that the, 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 those, 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 those independents that are sitting here watching the, the back and forth on this, I suspect that if nothing changes between now and the 2020 election uh, – and, and 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 that um, the 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 same level of of just chaos is, is going on, and the Democrats are able to put forward a, a, a less controversial, more professional um, politician who can stand toe to toe with a bully. I think they're going to win, and Nancy Pelosi's charge is not to screw that up.
2: It's is there a problem, Alan, with the fact that you know we, we've been talking about Nancy Pelosi? But we got about five minutes left in this segment before mm-hmm. we move on. Um, we we got to talk about Donald Trump's reaction. Was uh, there was a Codel that was uh, that was scheduled to go to the theater of operations in so, Afghanistan? Say what a Codel is. Oh it, yeah, congressional delegation, which is basically several members of Congress uh, going to. The uh, theater of operations in Afghanistan. It was a classified trip. It had not been disclosed, and it was scheduled. They had already packed up, gotten on a bus, and started going. When President Donald Trump decides, oh, because of government shutdown, I am going to stop all military flights for involving codels because it's just it, it's government shutdown and I can do it. Uh, He went petty for petty. I mean, again, it's a matter of he had the opportunity to show that he could be and probably would have gotten credit for being the bigger person, the better person, but he couldn't help himself. Do you think that staff advised him, or do you think that he did that on his own?
1: Well, he wouldn't have even known it was an option, right? So somebody had to throw this out as an idea. Um, And the the, the problem, there are several things here. It is so incredibly petty. The funds for this trip come out of the Department of Defense. And that, of course, is not part of the shutdown. So it wasn't an an issue of the funds. Um, Interestingly... If it was a secret trip as you point out um, classified trip these guys were going into Afghanistan you don't announce when you're gonna go into Afghanistan the president took uh, took his trip um, uh, over the holidays um, first trip um, and and this is a trip. It's not a joy a joy ride. You're not hanging out on the beach. You're going into harm's way where things it's can a happen. Of war and, and it's an
2: operational and, th- and war y- theater,
1: and you you do it to inform yourselves. And it's hard. To, and And she had she had two committee chairs going with her, um, at least two uh, of relevant committees, and and it was the right kind of trip at the right time. And except the irony to me was. If he wanted to make some political hay, let her get over there, and then say where the hell's Nancy, um, yeah, and 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 ask for a meeting, knowing that that now that would be petty too in its own way, right? But but this made him look incredibly petty. And in his letter canceling it, he talked about this this PR trip to Br- Brussels. Egypt and Afghanistan. And by the way,
2: Egypt wasn't even Egypt, on the schedule. Yeah, Egypt
1: was not on the itinerary, and the only reason Brussels was is to refuel and to give to give pilots uh, required some required rest time,
2: and, and also to get a brief. She'd also scheduled a briefing from uh, there, from NATO. There was going to be some. There was a NATO there was going to be there. some real business,
1: right. but they had to stop for these other reasons. Right. This was not going to stop and shop. This was stop learn. Get to Afghanistan, get in there, and get out of there. Right, um, and and then once you're flying out, announce where you are. It it was incredibly petty, and it and it and it caused the president once again to miss an opportunity that uh, to to be a little bit bigger and maybe get some credit rather than. Of well-deserved heap of crap for being so petty, and in, and on top of that, and, and on top of divulging that, secret information. And,
2: well, that too. But he he is the ultimate classifier declassifier, so he can do that. But on top of that, you don't shut it down and then send your wife to Mar-a-Lago using the same aircraft that was supposed to handle the Codell. That's j- that was you want to talk about bad optics that's just poor. But Admiral Ken, you know, I heard a lot of people going, "Well, why is she going? Why is she going there? Why is Nancy Pelosi taking a codel to Afghanistan? She has she has no right to be there." And the reality is, Admiral Ken, is that as the head of the oversight body and second in progression to line for presidency, She has every right and is actually, as every other speaker before her, is expected to make these type of trips, to hear firsthand about what's going on in theater so she can make good oversight decisions or oversee and promote good oversight decisions. Why is that message not getting out?
0: I think that message is getting out to those who are listening. Uh, I think that in in the the, the days or hours just after uh, the president canceled the trip, um, I think every news outlet that I listened to, with the exception of one, and that's that, that aforementioned three-letter word that starts with F and ends with X, uh, they they didn't mention it as much, but um, um, the other the other two or three did, um, and you know. <laughs> I, I I don't think I, I don't think we can, you know, say much more about how just how ridiculously petty this was and um and, and you know, and I think there might be something to say that, you know, um Speaker Pelosi started it, but you know, what it doesn't make any real difference. The, the, at the end of the day, we need the leadership uh to start being leaders. And that's not happening right now.
2: Sharma, do you, do you foresee that in the near future that happening?
3: Leadership to start being leaders? Yeah. I certainly don't see it. I hate to cast aspersions on my Republican brethren uh, when they've been so supportive of me, but I don't really see it from the GOP side, especially from the president. Um, Do you see it from the Republican side? That's what I just said. I said I don't. I'm sorry. Do you see
2: it from your side, the Democratic side?
3: Um, From the Democratic side, you know, I can't be sure. I think that eventually the caucus that, um, you know, Speaker Pelosi and uh, Senator Schumer have created is going to start to crack. And I think you're going to see movement. I think you're first going to start seeing public movement by rogue, um, rogue members of, you know, Congress and rogue senators kind of making public statements, you know, inching towards a compromise. And then you'll start and that'll start the movement towards compromise as a whole. But right now, it doesn't look like, as long as as long as Speaker Pelosi holds the line of the Democrats will not negotiate so long as the government is shut down, you will not have any leadership on either side. Okay.
2: I'm going to let that be the last word. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bad week that media had, when credibility in the media is already suspect. It was a bad, bad weekend over the past few days. This is the best political talk show you never heard of. This is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village in D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
4: Just being friends would never do. And now we're reacquainted. And all the stars seem fresh painted. And here's what I long to say to you. What a tale you'd find If I could, I would Be bound forever And I'd never sever me from you You won't believe it's true But I've been missing you I dream of kissing you Let's give it one more chance one more slow dance, heartstring, let's cling. Tie my heart to you. Hello, heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find. I'm <laughs> i
2: Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for the second part of our in-depth discussion this week. Uh, We're going to go in-depth a little bit on what happened over the past few days in case you didn't see it. Two things of note regarding the media. Number one, BuzzFeed put out an article uh, citing nameless sources stating that during his lead up to Michael Cohen's congressional testimony, President Trump basically ordered Michael Cohen to lie to Congress regarding this so-called Trump Tower Moscow deal. Uh, Literally within 24 hours, the special counsel's office put out a uh, press release that basically said categorically, uh, that is not true, we've never said that, and that is not anything that has been disclosed to us. Uh, Basically now calling out and giving fodder to everybody saying, oh, look, BuzzFeed, fake news, this is why. And when it did come out, a ton of other outlets reported it, including our friends at CNN, NBC, uh, even Fox News jumped on it a little bit. But it ended up becoming not. It ended up becoming inaccurate reporting out of Buzzfeed. Uh, the second thing that has happened is this viral video of a MAGA wearing teenager from. Covington Catholic Academy in Covington, Kentucky, uh, basically having what looks like a stare off at a Omaha at, at, at a tribal elder from the Omaha Nation out there in the Midwest uh, while he's performing his uh, sacred uh, drum circle chants this kid's got a smirk on his face and just staring him down and you can see a bunch of other of his friends also wearing maga stuff and 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 other gear doing the tomahawk chop dancing up all around him well this has become a big deal because now the kids and uh, the family of this kid has gone viral by saying that's not true. The uh the the indigenous people were the ones who were confrontational. There was a third group that apparently got involved, but it's become a mess and now basically mainstream media reporting how this kid could do that and the helping the vi- the video go viral. And now there's questions as to what is really accurate. So why do I bring these up? Uh, at a time when we've got everybody screaming fake news at media outlets, uh, it is critical that we re, that that the media outlets themselves maintain credibility. Let's talk about. First of all, let let, let let's talk about this BuzzFeed problem. Uh, Alan Moore. I mean, BuzzFeed is digital media by any stretch of the imagination. You know, BuzzFeed is not known for its hard in-depth cutting journalism, although they have put out some good journalistic pieces and they have good professional journalists working over there. But they release these stories next to, uh, you know, watching people eat Taco Bell or pictures of kittens batting a yarn ball around uh the where i'm going with this is are we are we giving too much credit to some of these pop-up media organizations that are all of a sudden now in the mainstream like a buzzfeed or a daily
1: caller or that sort well, Buzzfeed, you know it's it's hard to keep track of uh, of the different organizations, right? Cause right. Because we, you know, some of us old establishment folks uh, still think about uh, the Post and the Times, and then and then we've got the the the, the CNNs and MSNBCs, um, uh, along with the uh, the major networks. Um, and then the, these new ones come along, and some of them stay. And BuzzFeed has actually developed something of a reputation that has broken some stories. So it's not a total fly-by-night uh, group or seen as, as just totally in the pocket uh, of one point of view. Um, so when they write something, and they they attributed their story to two federal law enforcement sources who, who were anonymous— um, there's an indi- it, and it and it feeds the narrative, right? It feeds the mindset out there that does exist in the more conventional media, um, that that the that that the president and the people around him, like like his former lawyer Michael Cohen, are all a bunch of liars, and and so uh, the, everything kind of lined up in a convenient way. It made sense, and so. People started reporting it. They said, we've not been able to confirm it, but this is what's being reported. And that triggered in the Congress all sorts of conversations. Wow. If this if, is true, if this true impeachment. subornation of perjury, that is a high crime, um, a clearly impeachable type offense. Right. Meanwhile, everybody's trying to find, well, who are these sources? We want to confirm because there is supposedly written material as well as testimony well but then there's no confirmation there's no written material there's no confirmation from from cohen or his lawyers at 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 which point uh apparently according to subsequent uh, reporting the president's people reached out to Mueller and said you have to say something we know it's not true You You know, know it's not true. You cannot become an accomplice to this lie. And the Mueller people, it was a pretty short statement, not as long as what you said. They said these reports are not accurate. Right. They didn't say what wasn't accurate. They just said and these it, reports it, but are not accurate. These, these reports right. are not accurate. Well, that feeds the, that the feeds notion the of monster, fake news. Right. That what the heck is Buzzfeed thinking? Buzzfeed is standing by the story, but nobody else has the story. It seems highly, highly likely that that Buzzfeed got it wrong. Everybody else is running from what Buzzfeed said. It's a huge blow to an organization like Buzzfeed at this point. We'll have a Mueller report here before too long, right. and then we'll make have independent information. But
2: Admiral Ken, I, I, I guess to that point, are you know we've gotten away at least from what I see here in this town. We've gotten away from true journalism, and let me be clear: we we, we here at Backroom Politics do not consider ourselves a journalistic organization. Uh, we are commentators. We commentate people listen to us for whatever reason. Uh, Oh, I know why, because we're good. The the reality is, are we giving, are we in a situation where the media is, because of the instant gratification machine that eats it in social media, is media now beholden to I got to scoop first and then apologize later if it's wrong?
0: I, I think there might be a piece of that. Um, I, I also – so I, I, I remember many years ago um, when the, the Menendez case broke, and this is the, uh, the, the, the twin boys out in California who killed their parents. No one could believe that these sweet, handsome, young, rich boys could do in their parents. And so they went into that story with a good amount of with, – with, with, with some level of goodwill. Uh, earned or not, you know, that, you know, the, the the country, you know, you know, had to be convinced um, that these that these two sweet boys were were guilty of murder. In the in the situation that we have today, this White House has has no goodwill with 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 the media. And, you know, it's one of those things where if 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 Donald Trump goes to pick his nose, you um, they're gonna focus on which 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 hand which finger and, and and what did he get there's no there there's no there's no break that that, that he's gonna that he's gonna get because quite frankly he's 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 soured the water um that 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 the rest of us have to swim in um i'm not I'm not excusing it I'm just saying this is the world that we're living in right now so um i I would not be surprised if this type of um Event happens again, uh, just because there's just so much bad blood out there. I mean, when when the president of the United States calls a constitutionally protected entity uh, a, a a the enemy of the state, you know you got to expect there's going to be some kind of ill will or backlash.
1: Alan, gotcha. Moore, Alan, Moore, why are you chuckling? Well, Ken's uh, Ken's nasal metaphor got my attention, and I. I... <laughs>
4: Yeah, I just, I, think we all find I, that.
1: I just, I he just, hey, but, it, 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 but it worked though, didn't he, it, 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 it? It worked. Thank
0: like
1: ca- He just, he 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 got it running, and it just kept going. char yeah. oh. hold on, Charmed I
3: was going to say, Justin, as the only, you know, as the closest thing to a millennial on on this panel. Wow. Um, I want to. Wow. <laughs> wanna, oh, wow. <laughs> Hey, I didn't say I am a millennial. I just said I'm the closest thing to it. Okay. Thank which you. Which is empirically true. Thank you. Thank I you realize for pointing I really a post-fact world, but
2: thank you for pointing out the fact that we're old people. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> some, some of us have not just children but grandchildren who are millennials. And we can uh, wow, you're not helping the argument. I just got to tell you. So Sharmila, uh you know as as I as I move my walker around, I want to ask you when At a time that you would think that the media is already under tremendous scrutiny and under tremendous pressure to get it right, Uh, is there a possibility we're going to see less tolerance for what we saw with BuzzFeed?
3: Well, what I was going to say is that an integral component to media is what you mentioned briefly is social media, right? Anytime a story, you know, gets released or any time something like this happens, the first traction happens on social media. And so you get this snowball effect when you talk about, you know, did other media organizations err in, in reporting on the BuzzFeed report when it was unconfirmed? The problem is that this thing gets released, it starts snowballing on social media, and all of a sudden that becomes the story too. The fact that it's gaining so much traction on social media and so many people are seeing it and commenting on it and thinking about it, and it's gaining attention of not just the public but lawmakers as well via this first channel, which is social media, suddenly makes it a story in and of itself. And I think that that's the component of journalism and of public life today, that media organizations are still coming are still struggling with and still coming to terms with how to balance their need for accuracy with their need to respond to things that are already making news in the public without them, right? Media organizations need to adapt to the fact that they are no longer the first media makers. Individuals are the first media makers now. And that's going to be a difficult paradigm for them to navigate until – they become more social media savvy in their reporting until then everyone's racing to just keep up with the with the traction that's already been gaining and, and by that's the way already, that's already gaining on the ground
2: right and by the way I I, I don't want to come across as as bashing BuzzFeed. Uh, I do not want to come across as being critical of what they did, how they did it, it, it look other even the Washington Post, Gets it wrong sometimes. Uh, You know, I was watching a few good men over the weekend. There's a great scene where Ben Bradley is cursing out Wordwood and Bernstein in his front yard. Well, you got it wrong this time. Don't get it wrong again. Journalists sometimes get it wrong. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to throw BuzzFeed under the bus, but. I do feel that there is a situation much like what we saw on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial this past weekend during a confrontation between a tribal elder and this kid from Covington, Kentucky. If you look at the first video that went viral, it looks like, you know, you got that smirky kid with the MAGA hat and, you know, him staring down and a group of other kids around this Vietnam veteran, tribal elder, uh, who's there to celebrate the indigenous people of this country, and it just looks like this punk kid is just showing his rear end to get attention. Well, now there's some, I, I, I guess, what's the right word I'm looking for? Some conflict? Some uh, disagreement? The competing and, narratives. A competing well, narrative. Thank you, Sharmila
1: sure because because there's there's uh, a, there's much more video available the the segment that one sees looks like a kid is mocking uh, this this Indian who's 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 beating on us on a small drum and then it turns out that the 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 Native American was trying to be a peacemaker between a whole nother group of Provocateurs, something called the the, the, the um, black, black Israelites Israeli, or Hebrew Israelites, who, Hebrew who Israelites. were who were taunting this group of high school kids because some of them were were, were wearing their their Trump, hats, Trump, Trump hats, um, taunting, taunting, taunting. Apparently, the kids, all high school kids, weren't taking the bait, but started responding with with high school chants of their own, and. Reportedly, this this th- there was a group of Native Americans. They all happened to be there for little little demonstrations of their own or for experiences, whatever. That that guy stepped in because he was trying to reduce the hostilities. This high school kid who looked like he was mocking him, but was sort of standing there, didn't know what to do, just stood there. That was the first video. But but I, but, and then there were accusations that the kids were saying um, uh the Indians were that the, the Indians were tri- were confrontational and that well and that and that the and that the high school kids were saying go go back where you came from um
3: and but
1: build that wall but there's no evidence that actually any of that was ever said it was denied and there's no evidence even though people were were taking videos of all of this stuff here's
2: what bugs me. I mean now then for I, I have to do full full disclosure here. Uh, I I that's work... you that's you bound beating no, the drum? No, that's not me beating oh. the drum. No, that's not me beating <laughs> the drum. Uh, I do have to do full disclosure. I am very close to Indian Country. Uh, if you Google me, you'll find out why. Uh, I am very supportive of Indian Country. However, in this capacity here in backroom politics, I do seek out the truth. The problem I have with that video is the fact that number one, agreed. The narrative that originally came out with the with the video, and by the way, Twitter has suspended the account of the person who made that video go viral because of some questionable activities that they've done. The bottom line is that video is somewhat accurate. I would say. Because if you look at the other video angles, what you do see in the other video angles is a bunch of privileged white kids doing the tomahawk chop and going, oh, which is hugely offensive
1: disrespectful. Yep. and disrespectful and racist. Who do you think they are? Atlanta Braves fans? It, it, we,
2: look. Cleveland look, Indians fans? No, no, no. Oh wait, 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 wait. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. The... Indian country don't has forget been the Redskins. all yeah. Let's not forget about the Redskins. Let's not even go there. The they don't do the chop though. No, no. But what I'm saying is that has been something that has been looked at as hugely racist to Indian country, and for them to do that while a tribal elder who is literally doing what is part of their religious ceremonies is highly suspect, highly suspect. And I would not put it past a bunch of punk kids to put that out there. I I think I don't think it was as bad as the initial call was, but looking at all the video, I still think that kid needs a whooping.
0: So, so if I may, yeah, I got I got into a got into a, um a, I guess kind of a LinkedIn discussion with this um, at length with 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 a, a very good friend. And um, and former colleague and actually a former neighbor of mine uh, out in Texas, and we went back and forth on this. And, and I, I think I think one thing is for sure, um, is that much like the part of the discussion that that's, that that this segment uh, or this particular show started with, with regard to um, you know people taking offense to how things are are said. Uh, I'm not Native American. Um, um, I am not, I am not a woman. Um, but if someone who is Native American or female says that the behavior uh, is is highly offensive, then you, those of us who who are not uh, of that persuasion should take their word for it and say, you know what, it's right. it's offensive. Um, I I thought, and I agree with you, Justin, that that smug, and I use the words on on the, on the, the LinkedIn. Uh, uh, correspondence that smug little twit um needed a spanking and uh and and what's unfortunate those kids those kids are only mirroring what they have what they have seen someplace else i don't believe that they saw it at a catholic school um and they uh, so that only leaves one or two other places and homes on the top of that list
2: well you know the thing about it is also you, know, you
1: guys, you guys are taking the a different narrative than most of the press is. They were all over those kids, and people were t- wanting to trash them, and harm them, and spank them, and beat them up. And then they looked at the whole larger context and realized that the provocateurs were this other group that was yelling at them, and the the Native American was 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 trying to be something of a peacemaker. That, that, that's not a lot of. I, that, 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 th- th- I disagree. I don't need
0: the press. I don't need the press to tell me what I should be offended by. And, and by the well, way, I don't I'm just, think that's, I'm just I don't saying think that's you guys largest...
1: are kind of
2: going back to the
1: original narrative. No, I, don't, I don't think that that's. No, I don't not. think
2: that's the original narrative. By the way, Alan, I is I, I think what's happened is look. The the reason why I brought this up is I wanted to bring it up because it, it a lot of people got the narrative based on the media reporting on the vi, on the viral video without it's it's no different than a police shooting, and they go off of the quick se- you know t- 10 second segment that they see without seeing the bigger video. I absolutely agree with you. We should look at the bigger video. When I saw the bigger video and the multiple videos, what I saw were a bunch of punk, spoiled kids from a Catholic school in northern Kentucky, literally dancing, shucking, doing whatever they're doing, and they are literally mimicking, it is the only way I could think about it. Sharmila, I yep. mean, am I off base on that? Sharmila? Oh, we lost Sharmila. Oh, Wow. All right,
0: well we'll I'll send in for Sharmila. No, you're not off base.
2: Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. You're you're <laughs> you're 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 not you're not a lawyer, but we'll take it. Um yeah. Why are you trying, <laughs>
1: Alan's chuckling? No, I'm so just bad. laughing. It's like you guys want to beat the hell out of this kid. He had a, what looked like a smirk on his face. He wasn't doing anything with his arms. No, but he everybody standing, around him was. All, was, all of his friends he, were. But he's the one you guys want to pound. I'm just no, no. I'm sorry. Let me, me, me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Ken wants to wants to spank him. <laughs> <laughs> take him out and spank him. What they, they, they used and, to call it in because, South Boston? oh, I'm going to throw him a beating. <laughs> I'm going to throw him a
2: beating. The reality is, you know, and it's not just him. It is every one of those smug punks that I want to throw a beating on. There. I said it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Rob is just enjoying the hell out of this narrative. How we've gone from the sophisticated discussion of politics to I want to throw a beating down on this kid from Southie. You're supposed to control this, Rob. I'm not the moderator. Um. <laughs> 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 uh- Uh, That being said, on behalf of Admiral Ken down there in Boca Del Vista here in studio, Alan Moore and rob the engineer behind the glass keeping us honest thank you as always rob audrey howerton our producer somewhere out there in an undisclosed spa location in upstate new york uh, you can follow us on twitter at, tw- at backroom politics and go to our website backroompolitics.org you can also go to our facebook site facebook.com backroompolitics radio uh, keep in touch with us and you can download us a podcast on every single podcast System, Google Podcasts, iTunes, the whole nine yards. You can download it there. We will be back, as always, for another segment of the best political talk show you've never heard of. This has been Backroom Politics, live from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Have a great week, America. Oh, support the Pay the Coast Guard Act. Support your Coasties. Thank you.